Good morning, everybody. Man, this is so awesome. It's great to see you. Thanks for like braving the smoke and coming out anyway and being here. We're, we're, we're looking to have a lot of fun uh, over the next few weeks and just doing this. I want to encourage you to um, invite family and friends. Just like Mark said, next week, that, that's a great opportunity. We'll be talking a little bit more about that. Uh, but over the next few weeks, we ha- we're, we're going to be doing this. I think in a couple of weeks, we're going to have food trucks out here. We're going to try to get a, a, a bouncy house for the kids. We're going to kind of hang out that day a little bit and have lunch here and uh, just kind of do some yard games and things like that and just kind of enjoy one another's presence for a little bit longer time. So I'm really excited about that. I hope you guys will take advantage of that. This is a great, great opportunity to be a part of the kingdom of God in the outdoors. Amen. Are you glad you came to church today? How many disciples are in the room? Amen. If you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are not only just a follower, but you are to be a disciple of his. And uh, discipleship is more than just believing in Jesus. Discipleship is doing Jesus. It's encountering the Lord, yes, so that you know that you are, when you die, that you have eternal life. But before we die, the Lord wants us to live. And he wants us to live the way Jesus intended us to really live, which we could never do in our own strength or in our own power. We need a genuine conversion where we, where we are changed on the inside. And when we get changed on the inside, Jesus starts living on the outside through us. And so that everywhere we go and everything that we do, we do it like Jesus did. We pray like Jesus prayed. We do prayer like Jesus did prayer. And if we're not doing prayer like Jesus did prayer, then something's malfunctioning in our discipleship. Because if we're going to be true followers of the Lord and believing in him and doing what Jesus did, we're going to have to be prayerers. We're going to have to be people who commit our hearts to prayer. And not be legalistic about it, but, you know, put time aside every day of your life through the course of your life and just talk to the Father like Jesus talked to the Father. Of all people that ever lived on the earth, if there was somebody that probably didn't need to pray, maybe it would be Jesus. And yet in his manhood, in his humanity, he absolutely needed to pray. He needed to encounter the presence of his Father. And so he, he left us an example, like, you guys need to pray. So we talked about that. We talked about abiding in Jesus and staying connected to the Lord. We talked about loving like Jesus loved. We talked about casting out devils like Jesus cast it out. Amen. I don't know if you know this, but you encounter the devil and demons all the time. And not just with the people you're living with. No. <laughs> There, there, are, there is a demonic realm all around us, and the Lord wants us to be aware of what is going on in our world. There are people that are held in bondage and captivity. They need to encounter the resurrection power of Jesus and your carriers. You're the carriers of this. And so the Lord wants us to be the kind of people that walk into the room, and we make the difference there. We're the turnaround specialists. They don't need to go out and hire somebody or, or find the, the person with the most degrees on the wall. You happen to be the person that 
when you walk into the room as a child of God, as a joint heir with Jesus Christ, as a person who has the Holy Spirit living on the inside of them, when you walk in the room, you're the one who makes the difference. And so you have to see that in yourself. You have to understand that about yourself. And so these are the kinds of things we've been talking about, talking about healing the sick and all of that. But today, I want to focus on this idea of making disciples. Jesus made disciples, and he expects his disciples to make disciples. That's your commission. That's my commission it's not, when we talk about making disciples, we're not just talking about showing up to church on a regular basis. We're talking about making disciples, turning lives around, receiving them or helping them to come into the relationship with Jesus Christ. And after they've come into relationship with him to then continue on in that walk, because I, I don't know if you know this, but disciples are not born. Disciples are made. People are not Christian out of the womb. People are lost and without Christ out of the room, womb, and they need to encounter Jesus. And once they've encountered him, they need to learn how to live that out in their lives. And again, this is your job. This is my job. This is what we're about. This is why we are left here. Jesus doesn't want you in heaven yet. If he did, he'd have killed you a long time ago. But you're here he doesn't want you there. He wants you here. And the reason why he wants you here is he wants you to do what he did while he was here. And one of the things that he did was make disciples. So if you have your Bibles, I, I'm hoping this shows up on the screen. We're going to look at this, two, uh, two different uh, passages of Scripture. And then after we're done with this word, I'll try not to belabor the point I'm excited because today we're going to have baptism. How's, hallelujah. Come on. Are you looking forward to that? So that's the highlight here today. So, but let's, let's just take a moment and meditate on the Word of God. In Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 through 22, it says, And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea for they were fishermen. Then he said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. He called them and immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. You see that? When you go with Jesus, you got to go all the way with him. Amen. This isn't a part-time relationship. This is not an in and out thing. You leave it all to go with Jesus. Amen. And then at the end, actually after Jesus' death and resurrection, before he ascended, he said in Matthew Chapter 28 says basically the same thing in a different way. Jesus came to them, it says in verse 18, and spoke to them saying, all authority has been given to me in heaven and in earth. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I have commanded you. And lo, 
I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Amen. Amen. Amen to the reading of God's word. Lord, I pray for grace right now upon the preaching of your word. Help us all to receive it in the room today with fresh ears. And God, help me to be able to share it in a fresh way today, we pray in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen. amen. So this idea about making disciples and fishing for men are essentially the same thing, just said in a slightly different way. And to me, I love reading what we read here today because it's, uh, we saw that Jesus' first disciples were fishermen. I love that. He went up to Simon. He went up to James. He went up to John. And he, he basically called these fishermen to himself, said, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You come to me, and I'm going to make you. How many are you glad that Jesus is making you? That's what, when you give your heart to the Lord, that's just walking in the front door. There's a whole bunch of more work the Lord is going to be working in your life after you're converted to him. And uh, aren't you glad that he's not through with you yet? So he said, follow me and I will make you, but I'm not just going to make you just to be something special in and of yourself. I'm going to make you to also then become makers of other people's lives. Just what I'm doing in your life, I want you to do in other people. And so I love how Jesus uh, called these fishermen. In Jesus' day, as in ours, commercial fishermen would go out by day or by night, and they would cast their nets, hopefully to catch a bunch of fish. And in the process of that, in the process of this fishing, they would sometimes snag their nets, or because the haul of fish was so great, the net would begin to tear and to rip. And so when Jesus passed by uh, the disciples, Simon and his brother Andrew, he saw them mending their nets. And that's what he was, what they were doing was they basically had, through the process of fishing, they had torn their nets or their, their nets kind of ripped in, in, in different places. And so in order to get ready for the next day of fishing, they first had to mend their nets. They had to wash their nets. They had to prepare their nets for the next time that they would go out. And um, we are all called, like Jesus called these disciples, to become fishers of men, to make disciples. And as fishers of men, we need to keep the nets of our soul mended in our heart, in our attitude, and in our preparation at all times. Because life can be rough, and uh, things can rip and tear, and we can experience hardship and when that happens to us, sometimes we just kind of just sit on the sidelines and don't get involved in the process of bringing people into the kingdom of God. And that's not the plan of God. If you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, then he wants you to make disciples. But if you're going to make disciples, you and I have to keep our nets mended and washed and prepared at all times. Because... This work doesn't get done by osmosis. It doesn't get accomplished by leaving it up to the other people. It gets accomplished when all of Jesus' disciples turn around and find people for themselves to disciple. Come on, can I get a good amen out there? And so we need to be disciple makers. You are to be a disciple maker. 
You say, well, I need to be made. Well, the beautiful thing about this is in you being made, in the, at the same time, you can help make others. Because it isn't by your strength and by your wisdom and by your power, but by the Holy Spirit who dwells in you. Amen. Amen. So we need to remember that at all times. So I want to do something. I think, I think it'll be kind of fun today. I, ho- I don't know if you're going to be able to see this on the screen, but if we're going to make disciples for Christ, it's time to go fish. Turn to somebody and say, it's your turn to go fish. Go ahead. I took the word fish, the word fish, F-I-S-H. Got to make sure you spell that right. F-I-S-H. There are four little principles that I want to give you today before we get into baptism about this idea of being fishers of men, making disciples. If we're going to make disciples for Jesus Christ, number one, we've got to F, we've got to find them. Now, here's what is true about every good fisherman. They go looking for the fish. They don't wait for the fish to come to them. Here's how we, here's how we bring people into the kingdom. You got to find your own fishing hole. Amen. All the great fishermen that I've hung out with, Terry Wold and, and just different people over my life, they know where to go find fish. That's why I go with them. I don't go by myself. I don't know how to fish by myself. I go with people who know what they're doing. They've been to the streams. They've been to the rivers. And they'll say, right there is a great hole. Right down there is a great hole. Here I am casting in water that's rushing and speeding by. And I'm thinking, just because I got a line in the water, I'm going to catch fish. And they're like, no, you got to find a hole. You got to find out where the fish are hanging out. And I want to tell you something about the world. There's a lot of holes in the world. There's a lot of fish hanging out, and they're in deeper holes. They're in pockets. They're hanging out in places. And here, let me tell you this. Your fishing hole can't be the church. You got to go out where the fish are. They're not, listen, if everybody, if everybody's fishing hole was the church, you know what would happen? There would be no fish. And then we would wonder why nobody's getting saved. We would wonder why the church isn't growing. We would wonder why the kingdom of God doesn't seem to be changing in our community because we're fishing in the hole of the church. We got to get outside of the church. Church? Come on, I'm talking to myself too. I like being in the church. I like being here. I like this. I I love this idea. But listen, if we're going to make disciples of Jesus Christ, we got to get outside of the comfort zone of our experience in the house of God. I know that that you I know that there's some people that come to church that are not born again. I know that there's a lot of people that haven't been converted. So we need to do a little fishing in the church. We need people to come to Jesus while we're having church. But by and large, where, where the fishing really takes place is out in the streams of humanity, out in the lakes of brokenness, where people are dying, where people need to encounter Jesus. And when you and I get outside of the walls of the church and we get out there, we look for them, we find them, we find out where they're at. And listen, they're, they're all around your world. They're at your place of work. They're in your neighborhood They're at your school. They're at the gym you go and work out at. 
They're in that civic place where you are volunteering your time in our community. They're all over this city. There's pockets. There's, there's, there's great fishing holes that the church sometimes is walking on by. And if we're going to make disciples, if we're going to be fishers of men, we got to go where the fish are at. We've got to find where they're at. And then we got to bait our hook. Make it enticing with the love of God. Amen. And having the Holy Spirit on the inside of you and encountering the Holy Spirit working through you and that you bait that hook, so to speak, in your spirit, man, and you, you speak to people right where they're at, and people encounter Jesus in you. They don't have to go to church to hear a great sermon. You become the sermon. You become the message. You become the witness. And they're wondering, why, man, how do you know that? Man, whenever you talk something you're saying to me, it triggers in my, I feel like you know me. I feel like you read me. I hear that sometimes when I preach. People say, it seems like you were in my house this last week. I wasn't in your house. You know that. I don't think I was there. (laughs) That'd be weird if I was. But how does that happen? Any preacher, anybody, Daniel, whoever, we hear that all the time. What is that? That's the Spirit of God. Well, listen, if that works that way with me, that works that way with you. God is no respecter of persons. Let me give you a verse of Scripture of how this looks like and finding them. I love this verse of Scripture. It's found in Acts chapter 17. It says, Now while Paul waited for them at Athens, his spirit was provoked within him when he saw that the city was given over to idols. Watch this. Therefore, he reasoned in the synagogue with the Jews and with the Gentile worshipers. And, watch, in the marketplace daily with those who just happened to be there. Do you see what that says? He ministered at church, but then he went out to the marketplace. He found a fishing hole where people didn't hear what was in the synagogue He went out right where they were at in the marketplace with whoever just happened to be there. And he would begin to share the life, the love, the power of Jesus with people. That's every one of us, we can do that. You live in the marketplace. You live in a dimension, in a neighborhood, in a realm where people are and they need to encounter Jesus Christ and you and I are the net to catch them. Hallelujah. So number one, if you're going to make disciples, we got to go fish. We need, first of all, to find them. Then the next thing, I, is to instruct them. Remember what Jesus said. Jesus said, go and make disciples, teaching them. Everybody say, teaching them. Now listen, making disciples requires that every one of us teach people the truth. Paul said, how shall they know unless someone tell them? We can't expect people to live out the life of Jesus if they don't know the truth about Jesus. So it is incumbent upon every one of us as followers of Jesus, as disciples who are learning the ways of God, that we also have to tell 
the truth, we also have to speak out our faith. It's not just, listen, some people say, go and preach the gospel everywhere, and if you have to, use words. And I know that sounds cute, but that's not really biblical. We must use words. They need to hear the truth. They need to know what God says, what the Bible says, what God says, what the Lord is speaking to humanity. And God has revealed his word to us. Jesus said, teaching them to observe. How do you make disciples? You find them. You teach them. And this is really important because every one of us in this room are to be teachers. Where's my amens? I got Caitlin back there giving me. Oh, no, I don't teach. Oh, yeah, you do. You have to teach. You may not be classically maybe gifted in, in, the, in the office of teacher in that respect, but if you're a parent, you have to learn to teach your children. When you become a parent, you don't say, I'll parent I'll, I'll, they can live in my house, but I'm going to send them down to your house, and you can teach them. That's not how that works, right? You're, yeah, you wish it did. Okay. Well, we know where Isaac is at. Isaac needs a little help. No. If you decide to have children, you decided to be a teacher. You're the one who's supposed to teach them. You can send them to school Hopefully, they will help. It's not looking good at the present, but hopefully, that will help the situation. But really, ultimately, even in Sunday school, you can't expect us to teach all your, your children everything they need to know. They need to see it, hear it from you as a mom and a dad. We're here to help the process, but we can't step in and take the role of it. That's your responsibility. Well, as you give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, you also then step into the dimension as a disciple to be a teacher. Because people need to know the truth. And how shall they know unless someone tell them? To make disciples, we also have to be teachers. Amen. Now, I want to show you Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 12 says, For though by this time... You ought to be teachers. Would you say that with me? You ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. And you have come to need milk and not solid food. You know, he's writing to Christians who he said, by this time, you should be teaching people. You've been... You've been in this now a while. You should be past this point of needing to be food, uh, spoon-fed, soft food, so it's more palatable to you. By now, you should be handling things that require a little effort, a little energy to digest. And so here's one of the reasons why there's little, uh, I shouldn't say little, but because there's a struggle in discipleship in the kingdom of God and we're, and we're not seeing the things that we want to see. I don't want to be negative, but we have to be true about these kinds of things. One of the reasons is, is that we're not growing and, and maturing in ourselves and our own spirits and actually stepping out and actually putting into practice what we've been commissioned to do. Yeah. 
If you will start teaching, you will have to learn more. If you will start stepping out in faith and start telling people the truth of God's word, that means you're going to have to get back into it yourself and dig in and know it because you can't give what you don't know. So if you want to give more truth, if you want to help more people, if you want to share more life with people, that means you and I are going to have to get back to the word of God and we're going to have to bury our face in it. We're going to have to get our heart into it. We're going to have to get our spirit full of the word of God so that we're not, because if, if we don't do it the right way, we either go into legalism, legalism or licentious behavior. People who are not walking in the truth of God's word and don't know what God's word says, become legalistic teachers or they become licentious teachers. In other words, it don't matter what you do. Just love God and it's all good. Oh no, it matters what you do. Come on. So, but when we get into the word of God, then we can speak the truth in love, not legalism, not license to do whatever you want. Because when you're discipling people, you, you, you're going to have to correct. You're going to have to correct choices and behaviors. And, you know, you're going to have to help people. Because we live in a culture that says you can do whatever you want and it's okay. And you can do whatever you want. And how's that worked for you? It's not okay. In other words, it hurts. Some of the choices we're making, it, it hurts because we're not walking in accordance with the word of God. And so if we're gonna make disciples, we have to tell them the truth. We have to speak the truth. We have to teach God's word to them, to find them. Then we have to pour into them the truth and teach them and spend time cultivating the word of God into them. And which means that there are going to be times that we're going to have to bring correction but not in a condemning way any more than Jesus did it with his disciples. He was, read the gospels, he was correcting them frontwards and backwards. You know, they were missing the mark oftentimes and Jesus would speak correction into them, but he loved them, he spent time with them, he gave them his life, he gave them his heart and they stuck with him until the end when they ran, but they all came back because of his love. And because he poured into them, because he gave them the word of truth, and people need the truth, and you have it. You and I may not always be walking in it, but we have a handle of it. And if we don't have a handle of it, we need to get a handle on it. So we need to commit ourselves to the word of God every day. If you want to be able to teach, make a commitment to getting into God's word, not just on Sunday mornings, but in your own devotional time. Become a part of a small group where men and women, and, or men's groups or women's groups or home groups, and you guys are pouring over the scriptures and you're learning God's word. What Man, I mean, you can turn on YouTube and watch all of the great preachers. Not somebody like me, but really good ones out there. And you can get the truth. You can get the truth. Amen. I'm, I'm on YouTube. Hey, wait a minute. I forgot about that. No.
So if we're going to make disciples, every one of us have got to go out and find our own fishing hole, find them. We've got to instruct them. But then, once you've instructed them, and that's an important part, we also have to show them. S is show them. I like the old King James that says, teaching them to observe. And it really does mean to obey, but I like that observation. Teaching them to observe. You know what Jesus is saying? You're going to teach them with your words, but you're going to show them by your walk. And this is not less important than the word. Let me just tell you that. This is of utmost importance. Because we can say it, but they need to see it. In fact, we say a bunch of really great sounding stuff. But if they don't see it, there's a disconnect. So listen, if I'm going to be a disciple maker in, 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 in my life and in my world around me, I've got to not only teach the truth, but I've got to demonstrate it in my life. And sadly, all too sad, is that oftentimes we say amen to the preaching of God's word. But like James says, what does that do if I don't go out and do it? And I need to do it. Because people are looking at your life probably before they listen to what you say. But when they look at your life and they see something about you, when you start to talk, they're gonna, I think they're gonna be all ears for the, you know, for the most part. Amen. Are you with me out there? We're gonna have baptisms here in a moment. So don't give up hope. I don't know if you know this. I was doing some research on this, but fish, I guess, are attracted to light. And I just, I thought of that verse of scripture where Jesus said in Matthew 5, 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So if we want to have an attracting power to the people around us, we do need to kind of up our game in the way that we're living our life. It matters. It matters what people see, how they see us live, how the, the choices that we're making, the way that we interact with the world, the way that we interact with politics, the way that we deal with problems in our lives. They're watching your life lived out. And so as they're watching you, Jesus said, your light will be like a light, and that light will not only illuminate dark places, but we see in fishing realm, it, it, it attracts it attracts the fish. Amen. It attracts the souls of people. And so it's really important that we understand that how I'm living my life is extremely important to the kingdom of God. And that it doesn't matter, you know, we, we kind of, you know, just kind of live how you want. And then we come to church on Sunday and think it's okay. 
No, we need, to, we need to think differently about the way that we're living out there Amen. and the way that we're talking Amen. and the choices that we're making. Amen. Come on, can I get a good amen? amen? Listen to what Paul said to Timothy. In 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he said, Let no one despise your youth, but be an example. Everybody say, be an example. Be an example, be an example to the believers in word in conduct, in love, in spirit, in faith, and in purity. So out there in the world, when I'm attracting fish, I want to let my light shine with good works. I want to be a, a bright and loving and caring individual in society. I want to talk different. I want to think different. I want to walk different. I want to sound different than everything else that society is purporting out there. But then once you bring people into the kingdom, we're not done being a discipler. Amen. And we are to be an example to those around us. And notice what he said. He said very specifically, in the way you talk, in word, in the way that you speak, the kinds of words that come out of your mouth, the content of what comes out of your mouth, we need to watch the way we talk. Amen. Amen. Now listen, you're saved. You're a believer in, in the Lord Jesus Christ, but sometimes we need to clean up our mouth. Amen. Amen. We need a good Holy Spirit uh, washing your mouth out with soap experience. Some of us curse and some of us cuss. And what I mean by that is some of us speak cursing uh, words in ways that, that uh, we, we speak death into situations. And then sometimes we cuss, which is another way of curse. And uh, I don't know why it got quiet here. <laughs> but be an example. Be an example. Amen. Amen. And in conduct in the way you conduct your life. Be an example in love. In other words, show people how to love. Show people what love looks like. In spirit, in your persona, in your spirit. In faith, be a man, a woman of faith and believing. I'm the, you know, this whole tent experience has stressed me out. And I've needed people around me to kind of like, it's going to happen, it's going to happen. I need it, and they've been an example to me in faith. In purity, got to show people how to walk with purity because there's a lot of impurity in our culture, in our society. Amen. The word example, the Greek word for example, is taken from a Greek word. The Greek word is typos, from which we get the word type, as in typewriter, or setting type letters, and then putting ink to it and impressing it on paper. So when he says, be an example, he's saying, be a typos. In other words, be a representation that when impressed, it can be impressed on another person. And when you pull it away, it's different, but it looks just like what impressed it. So he's saying, I want you to be impressive. I want you to be the kind of follower in me that impresses the image of Jesus on other people. When you're there, you impress them with his love. 
with his purity, with his life. Be that kind of an example. Find them. Teach them. Instruct them. Show them. People need to see it in action. And then finally, H, help them. Jesus said to his, those original disciples, he said, follow me and I will make you. We are here to help make people to become what Jesus intended them to be. Now, listen, it took Jesus three and a half years to work with that motley group of men that he had. And they still, at the end, tuck tail and run. But they came back because he had a lasting impact on them. And there were times, I remember one time, how, what, what, there was an episode where he said, oh my gosh, how long do I have to be with you guys before you get this? It was like, you know. Can anybody help these guys? Discipleship requires some things of us that are going to, we're going to have to move out of our comfort zone to help people to get from A to B to C, you know, on down the line. We can't just call them all to the altar, and they all get saved. And now you go home and read your Bible and try to come to church. And, you know, really, we, people need to be discipled. We need a refresher around here at Abundant Life Fellowship of some kind of uh, legitimate discipleship uh, endeavor where we are seeing people going deeper, going further, instead of just making, just coming to church or making a commitment for Jesus and then just kind of leaving them dangling. We're trying, but we can't, we can't develop all the right programs at the right time in the right way. It needs, this needs to happen in every one of our hearts as followers of Jesus. Amen. Thank God for trucks. <laughs> Amen. Hauling bricks somewhere. <laughs> but we need to help people. Turn to your neighbor and say, It looks like you need some help. Go ahead and tell them. <laughs> now, let me just say, let me give you a couple of ideas real quick to help people. Jesus said, I will make you. So there's a scripture. In fact, let me show you, show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1. Paul the apostle says, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. Okay, so listen, let me tell you something as a follower. If you truly have believed upon the Lord Jesus Christ, you're a disciple. This is this is not just Paul's words. This is supposed to be every one of our lives. That's our mantra. We should be able to turn and say to a world around us, follow me as I follow Christ. You say, oh, I could never tell people to follow me. But listen, now listen, we know you're not Jesus. We only have to hang out with you long, so long that we discover you're not the Lord. You know I'm not Jesus. 
I mean, if you were around here yesterday when we were putting up this tent, I don't know if I had Jesus in me. No. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> you, I don't have to convince you that I'm not Jesus, but, but I am a follower of Jesus. And I ought to be able to say, you can follow me as I follow Christ. Part of following me is when I blow it, I can be honest about it. And I don't grovel in blowing it. I get back up and I keep going. And you can follow that, right? You can follow even when you see someone stumble or someone have an off day or an off moment. If you see them get back up on their feet and continue on in the love of Jesus, you can follow that. Well, people in your life are in a lot worse situation than you're in in the sense that they haven't encountered the Lord yet. But if they see your faith and your life lived out, every one of us can be able to say to other people, you can follow me as I follow Christ. We're going to follow him together. Essentially is what we're doing, right? There's nothing wrong with that. But in order to do that, it's going to take time to do that. People need time. Just like Julie, she needs time. My wife, Julie. She was here at church before I was today. I needed time. People take time. You have to give them time. You have to give them energy. You know, being a discipler means you're going to have to give of yourself for other people. Another thing you have to give to help others is you have to be patient because they're going to blow it again and again. They're going to blow it. So how do you get them through? Patience. You just stay right in there. You just hang right in there. You just stay with them. Did they mess up again? Yeah. Did you ever mess up again? Right? It's, it's going to require patience. It's going to require persistence on your part and my part. Because the easy thing would be, uh, leave that up to those people who do it. You're supposed to be the one who does it. You're the one. It's going to take a lot of prayer. You can pray for them. They need your prayers. Lift them up in prayer. But it's also going to take for you and I to get them to the point where they're, they're released. I love Jesus because I think he's into catch and release. He catches. Why? So he can release you. And that's what we want to do for people. We want them not to depend upon us. That's where freaky Christianity comes in. Where people take on this role of being a discipler, and the next thing you know, it becomes like an ingrown mess. And they're holding on to each other, and then they get weird, and then the next thing you know, they don't have any fellowship because there's no church good enough. That's, that's not true discipleship. 
The goal of discipleship, yes, is to bring people into your life. And it's not that you will never fellowship with them again, but you're setting them up to be their own successful discipler themselves. The Lord is in to catch and release. Sometimes you might have to say to somebody, it's time for me to let you go. I love you, but there can be no more of this. Now you need to go out and do it. Amen. Listen, if you're a born-again child of God, you and I are to be making disciples. But if you're here today and you have yet to give your heart to the Lord Jesus Christ, he is here today to save your soul. He loves you. He came 2,000 years ago. He died on a cross carrying all of our all of our sin, all of our shame, all of our guilt. He nailed it to the cross. Then he took it to the grave and he buried all of our sin in the, in the grave. Three days later, he was resurrected. He left your death in the grave and he came out in life. And he says that anyone who believes upon me, though he die physically, Yet shall he or she live. And then anyone who believes in me will never die. Meaning, really, when you die in your, out of your natural body, your body dies, but your spirit just goes right on to the presence of God forever and ever. Who wouldn't want that kind of assurance? If you have yet to receive Jesus, he's here today to save you. Could you bow your heads with me all over and I'm going to have the worship team come and they're going to get ready in just a moment. Holy Spirit, we just invite you right now before we go into this baptism time. We just ask you, Holy Spirit, to just help us, every one of us, to check our heart here today to see whether we are in the faith. Have we truly believed? Are we truly a follower of Jesus? Lord, I just pray today that if there's anyone that's on the fence or if there's anyone who knows that they have not crossed over, I pray today that you, by your Spirit, would draw them to yourself. Speak to their heart. If there's anyone in the room here today, in the tent, if there's anyone under this tent, under the sound of my voice, that could honestly say, you know what? I want to give my heart to Jesus. I don't think I've ever done that. Or I'm uncertain about my salvation, but I want to be certain today. Would you just raise your hand as you're sitting here in this, in this place? Is there anybody here that would say, I want to give my life to Jesus? Thank you for that hand over there. Thank you, Jesus. Is there anyone else? Praise God. We had a, a gentleman raise his hand. I want us to, can you just, everyone in the room, would you just mind repeating this prayer after me? 
and uh, to join this individual who raised his hand. And so just, just say this after me. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me and sending your son to die for me. I receive him today as my Savior and as my Lord. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my life, and I give my life fully to you. In Jesus' name, amen.